Hey guys, real quick, before we get started, I have a small request. If you've been blessed by our content and you like this show, would you take just a brief moment and leave us a five-star review? This is quite possibly the most effective thing that you can do to ensure that this content gets out to as many people as possible. Thanks. Hi, you're listening to a bonus episode of Theology Applied. I'm joined by Toby Sumter to talk about his 50-question catechism on the governments. He talks about four forms of government, self-government, the government of the family, the government of the church, and the government of the state. In this episode, we lay out the foundation for human governments and the authority, ultimate authority, of the Lord Jesus Christ. Applying God's Word to every aspect of life. This is Theology Applied. All right, welcome to another episode of Theology Applied. I'm your host, Pastor Joel Webin with Right Response Ministries. And in this particular episode, I'm very privileged to be joined by Pastor Toby Sumter. He's in Moscow, Idaho. He has been a pastor of Christ Church alongside Doug Wilson for a very long time, but now they're particularizing and planting a new church. So he's going to be the primary preaching pastor um, in that church. But without further ado, Toby, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks, Joel. It's great to be with you again. Great. So this is what Toby has done recently that a lot of you probably saw this, but I feel like it's just, it merits more attention. Um, Toby and the, you know, the cross politic boys, Gabe and Chalk Knox and those guys, all the, the Idaho crew, Darren Doan, and they put out a lot of material and it's fantastic. We praise God for what he's doing with this group of guys. But one of the things, one of the pieces of material that Toby recently put out that I was immensely blessed by and that I just want to slow down before it just gets buried underneath you know, the thousand podcasts you guys will do next week. I, I want to slow down and retroactively go back and say, wait, 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 this one, it's all good, but this one was especially good. And, uh, and that was your catechism. I forget the title. Was it God and government? What was the title of this catechism? I think I just called it a catechism on the government's. Great. A catechism on the governments. And as you guys probably just picked up listening, uh, that's plural, governments. And so he, he right. primarily talked about how God instituted four, not just three, three sovereign spheres, but but we, we have four governments. And these spheres are not just spheres of society, but we should understand them as governments. There's the government of the family, the government of the church, the government of the state. And then Toby added to that, which I, I believe is, is thoroughly biblical, self-government, the government of the individual, right? If we're going to lead a family well, we need to, to be a good self-leader, these kinds of things. And so, uh, Toby, what, what inspired you to do this? You know, this is just one of those areas. I mean, I think um, it's, first of all, I mean, it's part of our Reformed heritage, um, you know, going back, honestly, to uh, the Reformers and even before that. Um, and uh, Abraham Kuyper really pounded away at it. Um, but I think the, the whole COVID moment, uh, has impressed uh, on all of us. I mean, so suddenly um, you care about who your county commissioners are, who your city council members are, who your health district guy is or whatever. Um, and we've, we've had all these discussions and conversations about, you know, do you have the authority to do that? Do you have the authority? Uh, who has the authority to say that your church can't meet or that if you're going to meet, you have to stand six feet apart or uh, you have to wear this thing on your face or you need to get this jab or your business can be open or not. And, and all of that is basically a question of authority and government and power. And so um, this has been stuff that we, we've been talking about a lot on CrossPolitik. It's been a subject of a lot of our, our sermons and messages as we continue to teach and preach on this. Um, but basically, um, the thought was, um, as, 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 I don't know, 
maybe it came to me in the shower. I have no idea. <laughs> but uh, but the idea was basically, where um, what what if I put together something that um, would be just sort of short questions and answers? Remember the the reformers put out tons of catechisms. Right. Catechism is kind of a historic way. Um, that a lot of Christians, especially in the Reformed tradition, have said, um, let's just break these topics down, these concerns down into short, simple questions and answers that even our kids could memorize if we wanted to, mm-hmm. uh, or you could teach through on a Sunday evening or something like that. Um, you know, so you have the Westminster Shorter Catechism and the long, Larger Catechism. You've got the Heidelberg Catechism. Those are just the famous ones. But there were actually probably, um, you know, dozens, if not hundreds of catechisms written right. during the Reformation. And so in the hope of a new Reformation, here I am Amen. presenting another catechism saying, hey, if, if God would be gracious and kind to give the Christian church, especially in North America, a recovery of these um, basic realities of authority and government, I think we would have a massive reformation on our hands. I agree. You know, you said the thought came to you in the shower, you know, you're kind of joking, but I bet you it did come in the shower and this is why <laughs> you were in the shower and you're thinking about how Joe Biden wants to reach his hand in there and regulate the temperature of your shower. And you're like, I need to do a catechism that reigns that guy in. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, right. that's, that's why. I came. You got it, Joel. You got it. <laughs> so, thank you for connecting those dots for me. <laughs> All right. Well, without further ado, let's, let's go ahead and hop into it. So you broke it up. I, I believe if I'm remembering correctly, I've got in front of me, but I think you broke it up into six sections. You have like an introduction, then you have the four different uh, governments, self, family, the government of the self, government of the home, then government of the church, government of the state, and then a conclusion to wrap it all together that talks about uh, what, what happens if these governments overlap. Do they ever overlap? Um, who, who gets jurisdiction? Those kind of things. So let, let's just start with um, your introduction, which I believe is six questions. Would you, would you just, let, let's just go through all six. Cause if we stop at the, the end of each question, we're going to be in trouble. So could yeah. you read, um, maybe you read number one and answer, then I'll read number two and answer. And then you read number three and answer. And let's just finish all six of those. And then we'll discuss it. Okay. Introduction. Number one, where does all authority and power come from? All authority and power in heaven and on earth originates in the triune God and has been given to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Number two, if all authority is from God, what kind of authority can humans have? Because all authority is from God, all human authority is delegated and limited. Three, what does it mean that all human authority is delegated? Delegated authority means that it was given directly by God and can be revoked by him. Number four, What does it mean that all human authority is limited? Answer, all human authority is limited by the particular assignments given to them by God in his word. Any leader who goes beyond, misuses, or abdicates their particular assignments has no authority to do so. Five, what governments have been established directly by God? God has established the responsibility of self-government in every individual, and family government, church government, and civil government in society. And number six, who is the head of every government and power? Answer, the Lord Jesus Christ, since he exercised self-government perfectly in his sinless life, atoning death, and glorious resurrection and ascension, he has been made father of all the families of the earth, king of all the kingdoms of the earth, and the only head of the church in heaven and on earth. Amen. So, all right, so let's talk about those, especially, I I think, especially that last one, but anything that that you want to draw out of those first six questions and answers? 
No, I, I think just simply, uh, um, hopefully everybody hears the echo of the Great Commission in the first question. Mm -hmm. um, all authority in heaven and earth has been given yeah. to me, Jesus says, therefore go. Um, and so that's um, what we're doing there. Um, I think it's really important uh, to recognize um, just those those concept of de concepts of delegated and limited authority, which I think is pretty straightforward, mm -hmm. but uh, is really important uh, to put at the outset because I think um, sometimes I think it's muddled when we start thinking about um, uh, specific authority, particularly in our day and age of the state and the civil magistrate. Um, but those would be the key things that I want to highlight there. Cool. Yeah. I've heard it said, uh, you said delegated and limited, like, which absolutely. Um, another word I've heard is like um, divested, that, that human authority, there is no inherent human authority. All all authority given um, to human beings by God is precisely that. It's given, it's divested. Um, it ultimately rests with the Lord God Almighty. It can be revoked if, if right. abused. Um, so it can be right. taken away. So there's no inherent divine right within man. That I have right. this, you know, this inherent claim to this title, to this position, to this power, um, and and it's unconditional that I can do whatever I want. That's right. uh, that does not exist. Um, exactly. I, I love what you said with number six. Um, you know, who is the head of every government? The Lord Jesus Christ. Right. He exercised perfect uh, self-government. Right. Resisting sin. Um, and not just an absence of sin, but fulfilling all righteousness and his act of obedience. John the Baptist, you know, when, you know, what, what you should be baptizing me, no, I, but I must do this to fulfill all righteousness. So his act of obedience in his life, um, resisting sin, uh, self-control, moderating, you know, all, all these things perfectly, loving the Lord as God uh, with all his heart, all his uh, soul and all his mind, all his strength, every minute of every day. Uh, but then, um, not only that, but but he's been made the father of every family of the earth. I, I like that. Um, king of all kingdoms on the earth and the only head of the church. And so the only thing that I wanted to add with that is because because you're absolutely right. But I think a lot of Christians miss this, you know, um, that, you know, the, the saying that John MacArthur, came, you know, uh, with, you know, with COVID and when they decided to open back up, you know, he wrote that article, Christ, not Caesar, is head of the church. And you and I would both say, of course, yes and amen. Um, but but it is it is just as biblically true that Christ, not Caesar, is also head of the state. Uh, Caesar is not the head of anything, right? right? As Caesar is a deacon. He works under a head. He works right. for God. Anything you want to add about that or any thoughts you have on that? Yeah, no, I, I think so in the, all three of these spheres or jurisdictions where God has given authority and power uh, to anyone. So family, he gives authority and power. We're going to get into this um, to father and mother. It's real authority. It's real power. He gives authority and power to pastors and ministers and teachers of the gospel. And he gives uh, authority and power to magistrates. Um, but again, it's all delegated and therefore limited mm -hmm. um, power. And so, uh, absolutely, he's he's um, so every in every one of these spheres where you are under authority, which all of us are, all of us are under authority in these three spheres. Nevertheless, when you look to the authority that's over you, you must see Jesus standing behind it. Mm -hmm. So, whether it's you know, a wife looking to her husband, a wife submits to her husband in the Lord. Yeah, meaning he has real authority, but she sees Jesus standing behind him. That's right. Children, right. obey your parents. In the Lord. <laughs> what does that mean? It means you see Jesus standing behind him. And the same thing goes for political authority. Uh, we do not submit to civil magistrates uh, mindlessly. We, su we submit to civil magistrates in the Lord Amen. as to Christ. 
and that means you see Jesus standing behind um, your local magistrate, judge, uh, mayor, governor, um, president, Supreme Court justice. Um, and so absolutely, and, and what I tell, sometimes in, uh, in, in premarital counseling, when I'm walking through some of these principles with a young couple, um, and we're talking specifically about the, the duty of a wife to submit to and obey her husband in the Lord, um, I, I say, so you see Jesus standing behind your husband, and insofar as your husband is either uh, doing those things and leading you in those things that are explicitly commanded by Jesus, um, or are those things which Jesus has given to us to make wisdom calls in, you know, mm -hmm. like the color blue, uh, you want to, you know, take a job in Des Moines, Iowa, uh, you know, all things being equal, it's not a sin, he's not causing you to sin, then you see Jesus standing behind him and you can obey. Right. With a clean conscience. Right. But at the moment in which your husband says, now we're going to go rob the bank, mm -hmm. or now we're going to look at porn together, right. um, you see Jesus standing behind your husband and you say, absolutely not. Right. And that is Christian submission, Christian obedience, because the only authority he has is from Jesus That's right. um, to lead you toward Jesus. And the same thing then goes for a pastor, mm -hmm. an elder. And the same thing goes for a civil magistrate, a police officer, a judge, uh, a health district, whatever. Um, they have authority from Jesus to lead you to Jesus, to lead right. you to obedience to Christ and um, those things that are consistent with that. But as soon as they deviate from that path, uh, we have the freedom and if they're leading us to sin, the duty uh, to say, no way, I, I'm a Christian and you don't have the authority to do that because I know your boss. Yep. Amen. Uh, yeah, and I and I think one of the things that I like about this also is that what you're drawing is that uh, there may be um, a separation of church and state, or family and church, or you know, separation between these sovereign spheres. They are autonomous spheres. They're independent. Although it's like a Venn diagram that you know the family and and the church may overlap. It does overlap, and at times the state and the church may overlap. But these um, these are two separate institutions, divinely instituted spheres. That, but they um, they may be separate from one another, autonomous in that sense. But none of them um, are separate or autonomous from Christ. Um, and right. and so a lot of times that's that's what people. Assume. They're like, well, separation of church and state. And it's like, well, first, that doesn't mean what you think it does. Um, the idea that, yeah, we should not have a national um, church. We should not have a federal church that would conflict with state churches and these kinds of things. And we shouldn't have the state you know, controlling the church. That's what the founders were really worried about. They weren't worried so much about the church controlling the state, but the state, its involvement in, in the church. Uh, but beyond that, um, w whatever church and state, separation of church and state means, it does not mean a separation of Christ and state. And, and so I think people have, uh, ultimately what they've bought into is the lie of secularism, which, which the fundamental lie of that, I, I think, is the lie of neutrality, um, that, that, that Christ doesn't speak to these things or Christ isn't interested in these things. These are neutral things. And then I also think uh, part of the problem is um, people aren't Calvinist. And, and what I mean is that um, it's funny, these new fault lines, right? Like all of a sudden, I've, I've got people in my church that are not Calvinist. And, and I, that's, it's, it's novel to me because for the longest time, I mean, that was one of the big dividing lines. If people came to my church, you know, it was because they were looking for a reformed church. Uh, whereas now people come to my church because they're looking for a church that doesn't wear masks. 
Right. That's new to me. You know what I mean? That's just, it's, so it's funny. So people will tolerate my soteriology uh, because, because we're, you know, haven't lost our mind on the civil issues and the cultural issues and we're fighting back. And, um, but I, what I have noticed is, and I'm more than happy, I'm, I'm honored to, to link arms with, with brothers and sisters in Christ who disagree with me on secondary issues, who are not a, not a Calvinist. However, so this isn't to put down those individuals, uh, but it is uh, out, of, out of sympathy for those individuals to say um, it, it would be so much easier. I think it is so much easier. Um, so I think of like what, what uh, you know, to women, um, you know, and you are truly Sarah's descendants. I think it's first Peter three, you know, if you do what she did calling Abraham, her Lord, and, and if you do this and do not fear anything that is frightening, um, there's this, you know, because one of the, so what is frightening? Well, I, I would imagine one of the things that's frightening is being, uh, commanded to submit to a sinner. Um, that's that's pretty frightening, but but that Calvinistic uh, view that there is no autonomous free will, and, and, and like that, that God is the only truly autonomously free being in the universe, and that He is the only one who has inherent authority in the universe, and He is sovereignly behind every human authority, so that when they do right, it is His authority for blessing, and when they do wrong. You are free to, to rebel against that, but even providentially within God's sovereign will, not his revealed will, but within his sovereign will, it's still for your good. And so I, I find that the Calvinistic framework makes sure. submission easier. Do you, do you have any, and that is very much, I think of Christ standing behind this human authority. Um, I, I think of, of his authority, but I think of his sovereignty. You know, right. this yeah. all seems to imply Calvinism. Absolutely. No, it reminds me of the story of Joseph. I mean, there you have an example of, you know, w one providential hardship after another, uh, where, you know, in his own family, then he's, you know, betrayed by his own brother, sold into slavery. Uh, he works for Potiphar. Potiphar's wife falsely accuses him. He's thrown into jail. Um, and th there's, you know, all through that story, there actually are um, elements of he's got to submit to certain authorities, while nevertheless, not just doing it mindlessly. He, he doesn't just do whatever they want. Um, even in jail, he ends up being the leader of the the prisoners. Um, he's forgotten by the um, cupbearer. Uh, by the cupbearer, and uh, and then you know it's only after you know years later um, when he's remembered and Pharaoh's having bad dreams that he's raised. Um, and then of course the whole story you know f comes back around with the brothers showing up, um, and and and, the, and then you know after they move down to, to Goshen and and the, um, Jacob dies, the brothers come before him and say, right. now you're going to get revenge, and of course and Joseph has those, has those wonderfully uh, Calvinistic uh, words there at the very end of Genesis is that what 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 man meant for evil, uh, God meant for good. Mm -hmm. Um, and so absolutely, I think you look, you see in the life of Joseph, that very, the same principle you're talking about, which is that um, it gives us the courage and the hope to both um, undergo hardships and persecution and difficulty while recognizing God still has the reins of this thing. Nothing's spun out of control. I can both submit to persecution and hardship and I can resist as needed, mm -hmm. trusting that the Lord is in control of it all. He is the one that is uh, working out all of the outcomes. Yep. Uh, amen. So yeah, I think just, I, I keep thinking neutrality, um, neutrality and autonomy. Are, are, are two lies that I feel like that sixth question and answer the Lord Jesus Christ. Who's the head of every government in power? The Lord Jesus Christ. He, he is the Lord of the, the home, 
Uh, he, he's the Lord of the self. He's the Lord of the state. He's the Lord of the church. Um, he's the head of, of all these things. And, and that being said, and we'll see later on, but that, that doesn't mean that Christ is the head of the state in the same way that he's the head of the church. Christ is uniquely head of the church in the sense that he gave himself up for her. But, but Christ is head in the sense of authority over all of them. And what that does is it, it eradicates the myth of neutrality. None of right. these institutions are neutral. Um, they right. all have a boss and it eradicates uh, the myth of autonomy. None of the, so I, I think by, by right there off the bat, getting rid of, of autonomy, the myth of autonomy, that these are free agents that might use their free will to do something irre, ir, 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 um, irrevocably harmful to me. They might harm me beyond repair. No, they, they, they don't have the power to do that. Even in their abuse of authority, they can't do that because Christ is king. And he's standing right. behind them and he is sovereign right. over every molecule in the universe. And so, so the, the autonomy factor is, is a myth. And so there's, there's, um, we don't have to fear that which is frightening, um, like what Peter says in terms of Sarah submitting to, to Abraham. Um, so, so autonomy is a myth and neutrality, right? Separation of church and state is one thing, but separation of Christ and state um, is, is thoroughly unbiblical. And so right. it's, yeah. And Jesus told Pilate, uh, when Pilate says, don't you know that I have authority mm -hmm. to, you know, take your life? And Jesus says, you would not have that authority unless it was given to you. That's right. Um, uh, I think uh, also just the, the you know, the, it, it seems like at Christmas time, uh, everybody believes in that Jesus is um, king of all kings. You know, yeah, right. we, we say the go yeah. the government is on his shoulder. Right. Um, uh, you know, we, we quote the prophecy from Isaiah, um, you know, Psalm 2, ask of me and I will give you the nations as your inheritance, the ends of the earth as your possession. He you rules should. the world. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and, um, you know, he makes the nations prove the mm -hmm. glories, you know, all that. Um, uh, the hallelujah chorus um, mm -hmm. from Revelation uh, handles, you know, famous Messiah, the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever. Mm -hmm. um, so absolutely, no, no autonomy, no neutrality. Um, every knee must bow, every tongue must confess that Jesus is Lord. Um, that includes the magistrates. Amen. Thanks so much for listening. But real quick, before you go, do us a small favor, take a moment, and leave us a five-star review if you enjoyed the show. This is undoubtedly the best way that you can help us get this biblically faithful content to as many people as possible. Thanks so much.